Well, if you look around, we've hardly got any seats left in this place. What shall we do? Back to the tent. I remember when we started the church, um, we were in our house, and uh, we moved all the stuff out of our living room, and we borrowed 40 chairs from a church on 25th Street, and that's where we had church. That's where we started. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you start with what you have in your hand. And if what, what you have in your hand is already enough for your miracle. If you put what's in your hand in God's hand, it'll always increase, always multiply. And so we were in our home, and there's a reason I'm telling the story. But it came to a point where we, were, we did an Easter at the beach event. The Lord spoke to me. He said, go and do an event at the beach. We had 350 people show up. That first Easter. And we couldn't invite them to our house. Like, what do we do? So we actually had another, another service on the beach the following week. We were building sandcastles on the beach. <laughs> it was a family Sunday at the beach. And so we, we decided, look, we either pay rent at home or we give up our house and we find a building for us to be able to accommodate people. So the, the first thing that we found was the uh, old central building that was on Edwards Road, down the road here. And we were in there the last 10 weeks before they tore it down. From there, we went to a Jamaican restaurant. We had breakfast every morning. We used their kitchen, and we had breakfast every morning. And there was a wall dividing the left side from the right side. And I would stand in the middle, and I would preach to the left, and I'd preach to the right. People were sitting around restaurant tables. Who was there when we were doing that? Then from there, we moved to the Knights of Columbus on US, on US 1. That was crazy. So we didn't know that the guys rock up at 7 a.m. in the morning, smoke cigars, and drink, you know, whatever they were drinking. Scotch and brandy. And, and we didn't know the prostitutes were going to show up at 12 either. And when the kids went back into the kids' ministry, which was the storage room in the back, they had to walk through the cloud of glory in the, in the drinking room. <laughs> small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The love lords when the work starts. Amen. And so it's an amazing journey. And uh, then we moved into, for, on our first anniversary, we moved into Oleander Commercial Center, and it was a warehouse that was filled with slot machines. There was hundreds of slot machines in the building that we ended up getting moved out, and we moved in there, and it, was, it had red walls. They were like stars on the wall. They did gymnastics in there or something weird. And so there was no air conditioning in that building. It was actually hotter inside the building than it was outside the building. Even when you opened the doors, we had a little breeze going through, but that didn't help. And so every week I would stand up and say, who's ready for Africa? And everybody like, yeah, we're ready for Africa. I'm sweating like sauna. And here we are, 15 years later, finally going to Africa, <laughs> taking territory. 
And we're running out of space again. But we have a 2,000-seat tent coming next month. It's on order. It'll be here. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But we can put people up here. We can put people over there and over there and over here if we have to. We can rip a wall out, put stadium seating in here or something. Put TVs in the bathrooms. You can sit on the throne and... <laughs> Maybe we put up a movie screen outside and people can park their cars, you know, and have a latte, drive-in church. If you come late, you get the drive-in. Otherwise, you can come in the building. There's lots of options, right? But whatever we do, it's going to be fun at the end of the day. Yeah, like Misty said, we can just take all the chairs out and then we can pack more people in. Yeah. So anyway, that's fun. I don't want to do two services. Look at the person next to you say, he don't want to do two services. I don't want to do because then we split everybody up. And I hate that. We're a family. We've got to have church together. Right? I'd rather us be crammed in here like sardines then. Then splitting up and then two groups and then the early people and the late people. And then I've got to preach two messages and the second one and the first one. I've got to rush the first. It, I've tried it. I don't like it. And so, you know, I'd rather it, it just be one. But we'll see how things unfold. I, I did say to Misty, maybe we rent. If we can get the fan center up the road here, rent it every week then this becomes our kids' campus and our youth campus. And then as adults, we meet there every week until we build our next building on the property. That's an option. It's literally two minutes up the road. It's not even far. We'll have the buses pick up all the kids, bring them to the, to the center here. and That's an option. But there's ways we can do it. And we're going to grow this year. Look at the person next to you say, lots of people are coming. We need more room. And we're going to figure it out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Misty likes the tent. But summer gets really hot under a tent. You know? Uh, maybe we get some big-ass fans. It's the real name of the company, by the way. You can get them at Home Depot. They're donkey fans. <laughs> so, uh, so we got our faith conference coming up this month. And so I want to challenge us as a church. When we did Pure Conference last September... I said, let's fast and pray. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, no. And so what we did was we took three days in the week to fast and pray. And we came out uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then we launched our conference Friday evening, right? 
So we have Bible school here Monday, so we can't really gather Monday. But we can gather Tuesday night for a night of prayer and then launch Wednesday evening. And so I want to encourage you, take three days to separate yourself. Um, put, food and, put food aside. Put social media aside. Put all the things that you love doing aside for three days. And take time to seek the Lord. Read your Bible. Pray. Cry out to the Lord. Bless people wherever you go. Right? Teenagers, put your phones down. Put them away for three days. Try it. You might like it. Just, there's so many distractions that pull you away from God. And the only thing that you need in your life is to hear from your Heavenly Father. One word from the Lord will, will completely change your life and the direction of your life. You need to hear from heaven. And this is going to be a week that we can separate ourselves and we can come and press in to touch heaven and heaven to touch earth. And man, when that convergence happens, where the, where the presence and the power of God comes and the word of God comes, man, he writes on the tablet of your heart. He shows you things to come. And we're believing God this year to pour out his wisdom upon us. Look at the person next to you and tell him wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing that you desire compares with her. What does she offer? She offers you long life in her left hand and riches and honor in her right hand. Everything that you're looking for is found when you tap into the wisdom of God. And everything else is just a distraction to entertain you and it does not produce life. So I want to encourage you. Press in that week. It's a week we can set aside to press in. And, it, and I believe your faith is going to go to a level you've never seen it go before. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Say faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Look at somebody and tell them, when you get faith, you get spiritual substance. There are spiritual building blocks that get deposited on the inside of you when you receive faith. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So through repetitively hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God, that word that is on the pages of your Bible breaks open and it comes alive. The Spirit of God breathes on it. When the word comes alive, it becomes light. Look at the person next to you and say, when the word comes alive, it becomes light. And the light of God shines into the dark areas of your heart. And when the light of God exposes and illuminates your heart, it opens the eyes of your understanding. You see with your spirit eyes. And you begin to see things that are to come. Look at the person next to you. Say, God always shows you things to come. He prepares you. He shows you the future in the now. And when you see what the Lord has for you in the future, there's now a confidence 
that drops on the inside of you. There's an unwavering confidence. There's no doubt because God has spoken. There is faith substance that's been deposited in your heart. God has shown you something to come. And man, does it make you come alive. There's power that gets released on the inside of you. God is always going to bring you into something that doesn't currently exist in your life right now. Look at someone and say, the Lord is going to bring something good into your life that doesn't currently exist in your life right now. Because He's good. Can you say amen? He's good. God's goodness breaks out in your life. He's going to show you the good things that He's prepared for you. And man, when that word comes alive and it lights up your heart, it sets a path for you to walk on. It is a way that you can walk that nobody else can see. And it is a road that you walk holding the hand of the Lord and He leads you down that path. It's, there's nothing like it. Walking with the Lord. Him speaking to you, Him leading you, Him guiding you, and showing you the things He's prepared for your life. Say, faith is substance. The important thing that you need to understand about faith is that once God speaks something to you, say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you hear God speak to you, the words that He speaks to you, you need to open your mouth and begin to say what God said. Say, faith has a voice. You begin to declare what God said. You begin to speak what God said. And when you speak what God says, you have faith substance that begins to build something in the Spirit to prepare you to walk into it. I don't know if you get that. You begin to frame your world with your words. You begin to frame your future that you're going to walk in. Because here's what happens. The angels of God are sent to do the Word of God. And so when God speaks and He shows you something to come, God's already set everything up for you to enter into the reality of what He said to you. There is nothing that can stop God's Word from coming to pass in your life if you'll believe Him. Look at the person next to you say, you got to believe Him. You got to trust him. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. And the Lord wants to speak to you. This is a year of him pouring out his wisdom, and he wants to show you things. I hope you have a journal. I hope you're ready to write down the things the Lord wants to say to you. I don't care what you get, whether it's a pad that's digital or you get a pad that's old school. But you need to begin to write down the things that the Lord says to you, the things that the Lord shows you. You say, why is that important? Because over time, through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. When we started the church, we were telling people 15 years ago, who's ready for Africa? 15 years later, Africa happened. So what do you do in the meantime? You have children, you open more centers, you get lawsuits, you have hurricanes. You have 
COVID, you have like international diseases, you have monsoons, you have everything come. And if you don't put yourself in remembrance of what God said to you, you'll allow the storms of life, the circumstances of life, the things that are going on around you to distract you, to get you to believe that what God said isn't going to happen. And so it's important that you write down what God says to you so that in your prayer time, look at the person next to you say your prayer time. Yeah, that's a real thing. In your time with the Lord, what does my prayer time look like? It's in the shower. It's in the car. It's at church. It's while I'm lying down at night. It's 2 a.m. in the morning when you're on the wrong time zone. Only those that know the seven-hour time change can feel my thunder here. It's painful. I've been waking up at 2 a.m. every morning. But what do you do during that time? I can sit and complain that I can't sleep. Or I can go out into the living room and do laps around the couch and talk to the Lord. And what do I do? I put myself in remembrance of what God said to me. I remember what the Lord said. I remember what the Lord promised. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that proceeds from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the thing for which I've sent it. And so God's word's not returning void to you. It's going to accomplish its purpose. It has the power within it to fulfill what he said. And what you have to do is you have to put yourself in remembrance of what God said. You begin to declare what God said. And in the contradiction, say the contradiction. What is the contradiction? The contradiction is what God said versus what's reality. In the contradiction, you keep speaking to the mountain until the mountain moves. Can you say amen? We don't stand here and whine about the mountain. No, we take the word of God and we say what God said. And eventually that thing in the natural will move out of the way because God's word will not fail. And so we're preparing Everything we're walking in right now is what God said to us 15 years ago. And 2023 was a crowning year. It was a finishing year. December was a finishing season for us. Why? Because the promises God gave me 15 years ago. He said, I'm going to restore your family. You're going to start a business. You're going to expand the business. You're going to build a home and then you'll have international ministry. We have fulfilled God. What God promised with His mouth, He has fulfilled with His hand. And we're walking in prophetic destiny. The things God spoke to us 15 years ago, we're walking in today. And the Lord has spoken to us about this next season that's to come. He's spoken to us about Africa. He's spoken to us about building schools, reaching orphans, and that we're going to build an international model that will be adopted by other nations. That's where we're going. You say, well, that doesn't sound like it's possible. Well, that's fine. You'll never know it. You'll never see it. But those who believe what God says will see what God said. Because God says it, and then you'll see it. And God says it, and then you'll see it. And everything God says is good. And there's some good things that God has for you. 
that you don't even know about. Look at the person next to you. Say, your eye ain't seen it. Your ear ain't heard it. (laughs) Your heart's never imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Do we have anyone that loves God in the building? Then God's got some surprises for you. He's got some suddenly moments for you. He's got some brand new things to show you that He prepared before the foundation of the world. Before you were formed in your mother's room, He wrote a book about you and He put His thoughts in that book. And God has got some stuff that you don't even know is coming. But come faith week. Look at somebody say, come faith week. Oh, I'm going to hear some things. I'm going to see some things. I'm going to know some things. God is going to deposit faith substance in my heart. And we're going to walk in the reality of that. Can you say amen? Say divine increase on every side. Hallelujah. I'll save that for later. So, being my birthday, half a century, I want to make it sound bigger than it really is. <laughs> Sounds more dramatic. Half a century. It's one of those moments where you take time to reflect on your life. And you look back over your life and you see where you started. You see where you encountered God. You see where you rebelled against Him, like Jonah, for a while, and had to go into the belly of the fish. And then get spat out, barely alive. And then you make the decision, I'll surrender. And then from that moment, God breaks you into what He prepared for your life. When you stop fighting Him, when you stop resisting Him, and you just hand over your life to Him, and you stop trying to be in control of everything, And you let his goodness come upon you. It's like a a kid. They want to tie their own shoelaces, but they just don't have the ability to do it. And dad's there saying, let me help you. And they're like, no, don't help me. I want to do it myself. And then it's like, you got to go to school now. You're going to get beat. And then finally you let dad do it. And he shows you how to do it. And he trains you and he teaches you how to do it until you can do it yourself. And we've got to stop resisting God. We really have to stop resisting Him. And we have to let Him in. We've got to let His Word in. We've got to let His Spirit in. We've got to let Him lead us and guide us and teach us and show us the way in which we should go. Amen? And when you think you know everything, you're in trouble. When you think you don't need God, you need Him more than you can imagine. And there is more to God than what you have right now. I'm telling you, there is way more. I've been walking this journey for many, many years, and I haven't even hit grade one in the things of God. And there's unsearchable treasure available in Christ. There's so much available, so much of God's goodness available to us. And I want to encourage you, take the month of February and press into the things of God. I was saying in your prayer time, it's good to have things that God has said to you that you can... Declare unto the Lord. The Bible says this is the confidence that we have in Him. 
that we, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Well, if God has spoken something to you about your future, you know the will of God for your life, and you can be confident that when you pray, that God is going to answer that prayer. So anytime the Lord tells us, look, do this or do that, when we run into a brick wall, what do we do? We go back to the Word. We go back to what God said. We say, God, this is what you said, but it's not a reality in my life. There is this obstacle that's in the way, and I need your help to overcome this obstacle because you knew this obstacle was there before I even arrived at it. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows the whole journey. He knows what's in the way, and He's going to show up and show off to show you that He's God and He's able to move things in your life. But you have to go back to him and say, God, I don't know how this works. Teach me, show me, lead me, guide me. So it's a daily thing of surrender. Look at somebody and say, it's a daily surrender. It's picking up your cross daily, not trying to do things in your own strength, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. We're going to get the job done. Can you say amen? And so just reflecting on, on this last season. It's very important that we come back to what God said and that we make sure that we are on solid foundation because you can drift from what God said and there have to be moments where there's pruning done so that you get centered again on what the Lord has really said to you, not what you think He said to you. And I remember, I was just going over it, in 2007, I went up to a summer camp meeting up at Pastor Rodney's church. I probably had 25 youth with us, I think. Lexi, you were there. Who else was with us in here? Gigi was there. And so we would every year take these youth up to, and it was an adult conference. They didn't have youth fire week, but we'd show up. We'd summer camp. And we'd, we'd take up a whole row and, and then some, and we were loud. And all we wanted was Pastor Rodney to call us up and lay hands on us. And every time he'd call up the group from Fort Pierce, we'd scream and come running down there. Couldn't wait to get whacked. And I remember that year that I felt such an urgency in my spirit that God wanted to show me something or God wanted to do something at that meeting. And it was already the end of the week and nothing had happened. And there's nothing more frustrating then you having this expectancy in your heart, but then it's like the last, second last service and you feel like nothing's happened, you missed it, nothing, God's not coming through. And man, that's, that's the moment of breakthrough. Look at the person next to you, say your expectation and your hopes will not be cut short. Amen. And this conference that we have coming up, the end of this month, come expecting God to do something. Come expecting God to speak to you. Come expecting God to break you through things that you're, you're, you're struggling to overcome. And I was at the conference that week. Last service, he called us all up. And he went down the line, prayed for everyone. And when he got to me at the end of the line, he took his hand like this and he said, fire. And when, when he did that, I felt a fireball. I saw it. I didn't just feel it. I, I saw the thing. It hit me in my stomach, in my spirit. And I bent over like this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and he turned around 
And when he turned his back to me, the only way that I can describe it is Saul on the road to Damascus, where he was struck by a bright light. And I got hit by lightning. That's the only way I can describe it. And I remember screaming like a girl and falling to the floor. It's like somebody took a firecracker and exploded it in my brain. It hurt. It was the brightest light I'd ever seen, and I fell over. And when I went home, I woke up on Monday morning. I knew things that nobody had ever taught me. And that was an impartation. Say impartation. And what God did was he imparted a vision into my heart in that moment. And over a period of three months, I wrote out the vision for the church. And the Lord took me on a journey where he showed me how he led Israel out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, through the wilderness, encountered them on the mountain. They walked around for 40 years, then crossed the Jordan and took territory. And for three months, he did a Bible study with me every morning. I woke up knowing stuff that man did not teach me. I was taught by the Lord. And so after writing this whole vision out, out of darkness into light, out of Egypt into the promised land, out of the will of self through the wilderness into the will of the Father, the Lord showed me how we need to lead people into God's presence. And it's a journey. Look at someone and say it's a process. But you have to trust somebody to lead you through that process. That's why you have to submit to to your spiritual authority so they can help you get through the wilderness in seven days instead of dying in that place for 40 years just wandering around. And so after this whole vision got laid out, we had this conference in the month of October and there was this prophetess lady that came and ministered at the conference and I, I know well enough, I don't need a prophetic word from nobody. Because the minute you get a word from somebody that's legit, all hell begins to break loose. Everybody's running after words from God. No, you don't need a confirming word from the Lord because you're going to have to stand on that word. I want to hear from God. Oh, do you? And so I avoided her the whole weekend. Sunday night, she tracked me down before she left. She said, I got to find that man. She sat me down with my pastors and she said, this man's life is going to change. From the way he walks to the way he talks to the way he eats, the way he sleeps, the way he thinks. Everything about this guy's life is getting ready to change. And I looked at her and I was like, okay. I don't want to hear that right now. Put it on the shelf. Dr. Tracy just did a prophetic class who was there in the school, the prophetic school. I heard it was epic. Teaching you how to hear God, how to speak prophetically, how to make sure everything's lined up with Scripture, how to judge it. Amen. So that we become accurate and giving words to people. And so that next morning, I didn't have to go to work, but I went in. Went to go see what was happening at the office. We had a conference the whole weekend. And when I got to the office, I felt this urgency on the inside of me to go home. Like, you need to go home right now. Like when your mother calls you, get home now. One of those moments. I had this overwhelming urge to get home as quickly as I could. So I got in my car, drove home. When I walked in through the front door, I lifted my hands to heaven. 
I said, God, here I am. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Not my will, but your will be done. And I surrendered to the Lord. I could feel the tangible presence of God all over me as I walked through the door of my house. It was October 29th, 2007, around 11 a.m. in the morning. And as I walked in there and surrendered to the Lord, I went into a vision. And this is a crazy vision, but I'll explain it. In this vision, I was naked in public. Weird. That's what I thought. But I had had this dream before where I'm in public naked, and I'm in this, I'm in this concrete, world that's full of dark shadows that I cannot escape from, and I'm naked. And I'm standing in the dream. I'm standing there thinking, why are you outside of the house without your clothing on? And I'm saying to myself, what is wrong with you? The dream was so real that I actually thought I was naked in public. That when I woke up, I was checking to make sure I had my clothing on and that I was in my house. That's how real dreams can be in the spirit. And so in the dream, I'm standing in this place naked and ashamed, and I have all these demonic figures around me as shadows on the wall mocking at me, snickering, jeering at me, and I'm feeling intense shame, intense fear, and in my brain I'm saying, why are you outside of the house naked? And the Lord replays that dream over to me in this encounter that I'm having, and then the vision switches and the Lord takes me to the cross. And I see Jesus on the cross. And in the Catholic church that I used to go to when I was young, Jesus was on the cross and he had this white loincloth around his waist. And the Lord said this to me. He said, you've been using your talents, your gifts, and your abilities to cover your nakedness. But the enemy sees through it and he mocks you. And Jesus was hung naked and ashamed on the cross. To strip you of your shame so you could wear the glory man lost in the garden. And man, that wrecked me. I'm getting wrecked right now just thinking about it. And I just began to weep. And for three days, every time I'd replay what the Lord said to me, I'd just begin to weep. And then the Lord said this to me. He said, the enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. I'm calling you to restore relationship." So my people can prosper. That's the assignment. The call that God has given me is to reconnect you with God. To remove all the things in a process. To cleanse your heart of all things that are separating you from walking in union with God. Because in that place of union with God, seated together with Christ at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power. Like we did back in the garden. You have victory. And you will prosper in every area of your life. The key to your prosperity is knowing God. There's all kinds of knowledge. Look at someone say there's all kinds of knowledge. I mean, there's, there's, there's general knowledge. There's universal knowledge how God created all things. There's knowledge with skill. There's knowledge, all kinds of knowledge out there. But the highest form of knowledge is knowing God. Look at someone and say, the highest form of knowledge is knowing God. And I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm talking about knowing God because you've had face-to-face encounters with Him. Like Moses did in the tent. 
That's what this whole thing's about. It's about knowing God. And then the Lord said to me, there's that scripture that says, nobody hides a lamp and hides it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand for everyone to see. I knew when the Lord said that to me that what He had given me as a vision for this church, that we couldn't hide it under another man's covering, that we had to start it for ourselves. And that's when Misty and I stepped out to start the church. I spoke to her. I said to her, this is what the Lord said. And at that time, I was bringing in probably 70% of our income. Two small children, three and four years old, house rent that we had to pay, car payment, insurance, Mount Diaper every month. We had all these expenses. We even had credit card debt that we couldn't get out of. Keep going deeper and deeper. And in that moment, God says, I want you to step out and start a church. In the natural, nothing looks like it's going in the right direction or we're even ready to do anything like it. And so I spoke to Misty. I said, babe, this is my encounter. This is what the Lord showed me. This is what the Lord said to me. And at first, she, was, she, she didn't hear from the Lord. I heard from the Lord. She wasn't ready for it. Because I said, babe, I was so excited. Babe, we're going to sell everything we have, give it all to the poor, and we're going to start a church. And as a woman who's looking for stability and security and normality in the house, and here's my husband with some crazy idea from God. And so I said to, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you're going to have to talk to her. You know, when God spoke to Mary, he didn't consult Joseph. She got pregnant. <laughs> Joseph was going to leave her. I'm out of here. And while he's making this decision to leave her, he has a dream where an angel appears to him and confirms everything that happened with Mary. And the same thing happened a couple of days later, 3 a.m. in the morning. A wind blew into our bedroom. Misty woke up. I didn't wake up. She had an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord confirmed everything that He said to me to her. And she, she was awake the rest of the night. When I woke up, she said, the Lord visited me last night. We're starting the church. And that's when we were in unity as to what God said, and we stepped out to launch the ministry. And I'm reminded, family, you know, my whole, it's not even about having a church for me. My whole journey is about pursuing God and wearing the glory that man lost in the garden. That's what this whole thing's about for me. And I'm simply walking towards that, and I'm saying, come with me. Let's go back to the beginning and walk in the dominion that God has for us as children of the Most High God. And everything that's standing in the way from us walking in that kind of authority we need, to, we need to overcome all those things so that we can be the church, that we can be the light in this world, that we can walk with authority and power, that we can flip cities upside down for God. We can take nations for the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen in our own strength or our own wisdom. We have to have the presence of God in our lives. We have to walk with God. We have to know our assignments. And there's some of you that are in the wrong place doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. 
Some of you have walked through doors, open doors for your lives that God never intended you to walk down. And this is a season where God is shutting doors. This is a season where God is pruning things. This is a season where God is bringing us back on track. We're going to walk in alignment with these plans and purposes from the foundation of the world. And as a house, we're going to walk in the authority that God's destined us to walk in as a church. And as long as the church is here on the earth, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the hour of God. Can you say amen? We're taking territory in this season. We're going to rise up. We're going to reach more people than we've ever reached. It's going to be like Moses taking three million people into the desert. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know what it's going to look like. But as long as God is with us, we're going to figure it out. Can you say amen? And so I'm excited. Look at the person next. You say, it's going to hit you like never before. When I was in South Africa this last trip, I realized something while I was ministering to the people. And I was reading to them out of the book of Psalms, and I was showing them that God had written a book about their lives. You can read it for yourself, Psalm 119. I believe it's Psalm 119. Let's not lie to you. Let's go there. No, it's not that one. Psalm 139, maybe. Psalm 119 is good, too. It says in verse 15 that you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're with me. And I want you to know, God knows the plans that He has for your life. And He's written them down in a book. They're in the heart of God for your life. And the only way to know why you're here or what God has for you is for you to have a conversation with your Creator. And Jesus Christ has made the way for you to walk in that kind of relationship with God. Like man did in the Garden of Eden where he would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. That's what this thing's about. That's what church is about. It's for you to walk with the Lord, for you to have a personal relationship with God. And while I was in South Africa, I realized a lot of people were saved. They'd come to the altar. They'd prayed this prayer of salvation, but they didn't know the voice of God for themselves. Even some of the pastors that were leading God's people didn't hear the voice of God for themselves. And so the altar calls that I did in South Africa were not, do you believe in Jesus? The altar calls I did was, do you know the voice of God and do you walk with him like man did in the garden? And like half the church would get up and come forward. And family, we're not going to go minister around the world for other people to walk with God like that when people in this house don't know God in that way. And that's all I want for you. I read this book by Dr. Miles Monroe. And in the foreword, somebody had written this book, and they made a statement, and they said, behind every brain, everybody touch your head, is a mind. Behind every physical brain is a mind. Behind every mind are thoughts. Behind every thought, there is a shaper. Say a shaper. 
Behind every shaper is a motive. And you have to know the people that you are allowing to shape your thoughts. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And every person that speaks has a motive. And you got to know what that motive is. And I'm being honest with you. My motive is for you to walk in the garden with God. That's my only motive. You know why? Because I'm going to stand before him and give an account for my life. And there's no way I'm going to hell. There ain't no way I'm going there. That place is hot. And it's for eternity. A lake of fire with a dragon and all that. going. No, I ain't going there. The last time I read my Bible, teachers were judged more strictly. There's a hotter place in hell for teachers that are liars. So my job is to lead you to God. God has given me the blood. He's given me the word. He's given me the fire to cleanse people's hearts so that you can walk in this place with the Lord. And we've been walking in this place for many years, and there's nothing like it. It keeps getting better and better and better and better. And this month of February is a month where everything that's been holding you back from walking in this place with God, this is the month you're going to get your breakthrough. Look, the person next to you say, this is your month. You say, you're going to encounter God. Your faith is going to grow. You're going to have the best love month of your life because it's going to be a faith month. And you say, amen. And so that's what we're doing. And our assignment is to raise kids up in this. So that when kids graduate high school, they know God. They know their purpose. They're not going to some college that's going to indoctrinate them with stuff to turn them away from the things of God. They're going to walk in knowledge of who they are in Christ, what God has prepared them for. And we're going to raise up a generation of young people that are going to know their God and do mighty things in His name. Oh, we're wrapping things up before the church is being taken out of here. Oh, and it's going to be glory. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. If there were signs and wonders and miracles in the book of Acts, bet you believe it, it's going to be poured out in this day. And we are just primed and ready to see a move of God like we've never seen before. This is not about what happened in the old days. It's about what God is doing in these days. These are the days of Jesse. These are the days of Tracy. These are the days of Mike. We don't live in the day of Elijah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the vision you've given us here, God. And it's to come back to know you. That's what it's all about, God. Father, I thank you that your presence is with us. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true, that you're faithful, that you don't lie, God. Everything you say is true. And Father, I know the devil's beaten some people up. But Lord, you took me from a place of total defeat and you restored me. And you gave me purpose. You set my feet on a solid rock. You gave me a wife. You gave me a family. You gave me purpose. You gave me life, God. And Father, I am forever grateful for what you've done for me. And Father, I pray today that exactly what you've done for me, you will do for every single person in this place.
Father, that they will walk with you. They will know you. They will hear your voice. That your spirit will come upon them, God. Father, that you will raise them up to be nation shakers, God. To be, to be the best mothers, the best fathers. You'll raise up businesses that will be so prosperous, God. Father, every sickness and disease you will heal. You'll restore people from the inside out, Lord God. Because you're mighty, God. And Lord, we love you. We ask you to come, move, have your will, and have your way. This is your house, God. These are your people, Lord. And without your spirit and without your presence, we have nothing, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name. You say amen. Precious than you, I cannot but lift up your name. You are the way, the truth.